All right. So I have the honor of introducing our speaker today. His name is Brad Dacus, and he is yay! yay. He's the founder of Pacific Justice Institute. If you would like to find out more about that, they have a newsletter. You can fill out this information and hand it to him, and then you guys can get all sorts of um, newsletters. Um, he founded Pacific Just Justice Institute. It's a legal defense organization, and it's all over the West Coast. They specialize in the defense of re religious freedom, parental rights, and other civil liber liberties, um, like homeschooling. Um, let's see. So what's amazing about his nonprofit is they don't charge their clients, and that's amazing. Um, let's see. Oh, he is... Uh, internet stockable. You can look him up on hischannel.com. He has a show called Brad Dacus Live, and he's also on the radio. So he's going to bring us the word today, and so let's welcome Brad Dacus. Hello? Hello? That's my, I love to do that. I, it, 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 in the back, I did it in one church, and they, they were just like, oh, you know. And I didn't know they had some similar difficulties, you know, like that, and um, so it was pretty funny. For me, I think they laughed anyway. Um, all right, uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, uh, again, Lord, we thank you uh, that this, this uh, is your time. Uh, actually, Lord, all time is your time. <laughs> we just don't always acknowledge you. But, uh, but it's all yours. Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit to uh, speak to us in your word. And um, let us not be distracted this morning, but let's just be open to what you want from your word, Lord. And uh, we thank you for uh, the, uh, your promise that your word will not return void, uh, Lord God, because it is powerful, it is living, it is active, uh, Lord God, and it's uh, sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord God. Uh, that we can put our hope and our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, um, turn, if you will, to uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. Or you know what? Don't bother. Just trust me. I'm a lawyer. <laughs> That's good. I once did that, and, they, and I didn't get any laughs, and they just they start flipping really fast to... Like, oh, no, we've got to be extra careful. All right. Um, and uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and read. I'll just go and read the, the, the passages first, and then we'll get into applying it uh, in, in the, uh, to today. Uh, starting with verse 5, it says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, uh, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So, meaning they're beyond being able to biologically have children, okay? So, it, that's advanced in years, you know. When I was, it's funny, when I was in high school, advanced in years meant you were over the age of 30, okay? That's not what we're talking about here. All right. Um, so, he most advanced in years. Verse 8, And while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen 
by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the, t at the hour of incense, um, it's, and, then, and, there were appear and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not fear, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And, when you, and, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Verse 16, uh, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, Elijah was a former prophet, right, who the Lord took up. Um, so, referencing this former prophet, in the, with the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So, he's going to be preparing the way for the Lord. Um, and that, who, who is he talking about there? Jesus, right? Verse 18, And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and, many wife, and my wife is advanced in years. <clears throat> and the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you have not believed, did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And, uh, says, and then the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that they had seen that he had seen a vision in the temple, uh, and uh, and he uh, kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. Verse twenty-four. After these days, uh, the days of his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, "Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when I was when He looked on me." Uh, to take away my reproach among the people. So, that's all I'm going to say. And no, I'm just teasing. Um, let's take a look at, this goes through these verses now, okay? Now we're going to, we went through the, the scripture. And uh, let's now go through and, and do some dissecting here. First point is the fact that God uh, remembers. God remembers. Um, has there ever been times in your life when you felt that maybe God didn't remember? Like, Okay, God, where, where are things, right? Um, I feel, uh, maybe felt abandoned. Uh, you know, that's not unusual. Uh, you know, you know where, where do you go when you want to have encouragement, by the way? Where in the Bible do you turn to? What, what book do you usually go when you want to be uplifted and encouraged? Where is it? Book of Numbers, right? No, oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, Psalms, right? And what do you do when you go to Psalms? You go there and you go, ooh, ooh, not this one. Oh, oh, not this one. Ah, this one. Okay. We're all guilty of being psalm flippers. Why are we psalm flippers? Because David was a man for God's own heart, and David was honest and open to the Lord. And one of the things that sometimes he was, he was feeling like, Lord, where, where are you? Right? I mean, 
He just he was totally honest with God, and 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 God wants us to be honest. When we feel like things aren't going the direction, or we don't understand, God first wants us to be honest and open to him, with Him about that, and uh, and then He can 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 minister to us. But if we don't talk to God, we just keep it to ourselves and keep our frustrations to ourselves. That's not communing. And we have a God. It's a living God who wants us to be interactive and, and to, to talk with. And so here, here we are going back here uh, to, uh, to Israel. It's been 400 years, okay, since the last prophecy in Israel, Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. 400 years has gone by. And where are they at? They're under tyranny in the Roman Empire. But even worse, they've got, um, they've got this, this king, um, you know, uh, Herod, he's, uh, he's, and he's not even really Jewish, okay? So he's, 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 he's um, and he rebuilt Jewish temples, but he also rebuilt pagan temples. And he's their king, and he's not even Jewish, right? It's, it's like, how would you like in America to have someone president who's not even American, right? It's like, you know, what is this? You know, but uh, there was a lot of tyranny. Herod was a very tyrannical uh, person, he was paranoid about his power. So paranoid, he actually um, had some of his own family members killed for fear of being threatened. And all. I mean, this is not the kind of guy you want to go to, you know, with things on Thanksgiving, right? You know, he's say, "Oh, we'll skip this year. It's okay. He might share the turkey, right?" That's what we're dealing with with uh, at the time. Um, and there was so much, you know, gloom, so much to be discouraged. So many people, you know, because. Because they're just thinking, does God remember? Well, ironic, ironically, I don't think it's ironically. I think it's um, all part of God's plan. But Zechariah's name actually means God has remembered again. Isn't that neat? God has remembered again. Uh, and I can Im I just imagine people living in so much uncertainty at that time. And yet, uh, that's very real, uh, that God does remember. In verse 5, in the days of, of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had his wife um, from, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. Uh, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Um, so we have the macro, but we also have the micro. Okay, we have Israel, but we also have them in their own personal lives, right? It's like. Come on, we want to have kids. And it's like God didn't remember. It's, it's, and yet our God is a great God who loves to, to intervene even when uh, things seem so um, helpless at times. Uh, we've seen that, um, you know, I, I know in, just even in my own life how, how God is, has worked um, and in our own cases, like at Pacific Justice Institute, uh, by God's grace, we now have 16 offices. No, we have 20 offices across the country. And, uh, yeah, it's like miraculous. Yeah, you can praise God on that. And that's not even counting my two private jets. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I have private jets. Um, no, but these are with attorneys. Um, and then we, on the, the radio program uh, that we have, I mean, it is, it's an awesome, it's on over 700 stations across the country, and it is so awesome. And the guy who does it is just, okay, it's my show, but it's a good show. 
Okay. That was a joke. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, but God does things, and even when times when we think there, it seemed like it's impossible, like does he remember? Um, he does those kind of miracles. Um, it was back in 1997. That's when I was the Western coordinator for an organization back east called Rutherford, and I'd opened an office for him five years prior to that. And I was finally on cruise control. What happens in life when we're on cruise control and everything's going really nice? Yeah, suddenly a big cow gets in the middle of the road, and we have to go left or right or have lots of hamburger meat. You know, that, that joke works much better in Texas. So, anyway. So, the national office, uh, rather it was contracting, they closed down the regional offices. And they said, Brad, we have an, uh, we have an uh, offer for you. John Whitehead told me, he said, Brad, I want you to be the face of PJI. I want you to head up our public affairs office in Washington, D.C. You'll, you'll, you'll handle all the media for all of our cases, all our litigation across the country, radio, television, everything. It'll be in the nation's capital. We'll have a higher salary, larger staff. I thought, wow, it's a no-brainer, right? I mean, you don't have to pray. You can pray about those things. You just, so I just said yes, and then I had insomnia. And then I had more insomnia and more insomnia, and I was double-minded. I was going to put my house on the market, but I knew that I was staying. It was just really, well, what was really going on? God wanted to speak to me, and I didn't want to listen. Because you know what happens when I pray and seek things before the Lord and these, these forks in the road? Guess what? There's this easy way, then there's this hard way. Guess which way I'm always convicted just about? The hard way, requiring faith. I don't know about you. You guys sort of notice that in your life sometimes? So I prayed, and that's what the Lord put on my, my heart. Was Brad, the question was, Brad, what desires has God put on your heart? And the answer was to make sure people got the help they needed here on the West Coast. Because at the time, that little office was coordinating over 90% of all the cases. So with boldness and courage, I said, yes, Lord, I will follow where you want me to go. I will do what you want me to do. I will boldly, on several conditions. And this is what I said, because I was scared, right? And God wants us to be honest, right? So I said, just a few little minor conditions. I need to have free office space donated indefinitely in Sacramento. Free, okay. Free computer system. Keep me on the radio stations for free. There were two at the time. We have to be in the black in just three months, and I'm never going to charge anyone at any time for any work we ever do, ever. I thought it was very reasonable with my business model. <laughs> and, um, and God came through on all of them. And in fact, the, the office space was a real miracle. We're in our last month closing the Rutherford office. And, um, and I didn't tell anyone about needing a free office space for Pacific Justice. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't have to. I told God. God gives it. It's from him. If he doesn't, it's not from him. And I can get, get on my boat and flee Nineveh. And that, that was the mindset. Just telling you. Just telling you. And I get this call. And this man says, yeah, I heard you need free office space. I have free office space for you. And instead of saying, oh, thank you, Lord. No, it was, how'd you know I needed office space? Because my attitude was, I was fleeing Nineveh, okay? And I thought, not going to probably happen. And I can move on. And then I, my secretary hears my, my tone in my voice, that it wasn't a friendly, yes, how can we? It was, how, you know, how'd you know I need office space? She comes in and goes, put him on hold, put him on hold. Can I put you on hold? Okay, great. Yes. Her name is Pamela. And uh, at the time, and she says, and she's a sweet secretary, okay? And she says, um, yeah, Brad, I, I know um, 
you, uh, before we knew that they were shutting down the office, I knew the lease was expiring. And I always know you want to save money for the, the ministry. So um, I thought I'd surprise you. And I called KYCC Radio, asked them to put in a free public service announcement that we're looking for free office space. I'm looking at her like, that's not her. She doesn't do stuff like that. I'm like, yes, we need office space. And God just came through on everything. And then fast forward, um, we have lots of cases in active litigation, and uh, it's exciting to see what God's been doing. And um, you know what's also nice about ministry is recognizing that it's not about us. It's not, I used to think it was going to be Brad's ministry, serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what God taught me? It's, it's God's ministry. And by his grace and mercy, he presently has Brad Dacus participating at this time. <laughs> There's a lot of freedom when we understand it's not about us, it's all about him and what he wants to do in his time and that he does remember. And he doesn't forget his, his, what he's going to do. He's, a, he's very sovereign. Sometimes also with, we see things happen in our society and we get discouraged. Um, you know, I encourage people after an election I mean, half the time it goes away I like, half the time it doesn't, right? But every time, it's, it's always a good idea to flip through revelations. This is what I do. I go through it, I go, yep, that's still there. Yep, that's still there. It's all still there. Nothing takes God by surprise. God doesn't rewrite revelations like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. You know? We act like that, though, don't we? And it's like God's saying, what are you doing? I, I've, I've got it all. Trust me. I remember. I know what I'm doing. And we can put that, our, our confidence in the Lord. We have a lot of uncertainty today uh, dealing with uh, the vaccine and the vaccine mandates, for example. Um, there are some people who are pro-vaccine. Some people are anti-vaccine. I'm pro-freedom. Right? That's what I'm about. And uh, because I think that's what God wants. I think God wants us to, to, to be able to seek him and to follow his instruction on, th on sensitive matters like this. But uh, reality is we're, we're in a, a, a very dark society where we have, like, for example, with the church shutdowns. Remember when that happened? That was, I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. I just thought that would be like in a, a fictional novel, you know, George Orwell's 1984, take two, you know. George Orwell's 2000. 20, you know, modernized version of it. But it happened. And then when the churches were shut down, uh, what took place? Everything else opened up. And, our, and we at our ministry, we waited strategically for there to be a great disparity, so we knew we'd win. Some people filed a lawsuit early, and they lost. It was terrible precedent. So we had to make that up for that. At the same time that Amy Coney Barrett was being put on the Supreme Court by God's grace and providence, it was down to the wire, looking back, down to the wire, that kind of, uh, how that happened. Um, we filed our lawsuit. We lost at federal district court level on behalf of five churches in Silicon Valley. Then we appealed it to, to, uh, to the appellate court, the Ninth Circuit. Ninth Circuit. Yeah, I always hear it. I always hear something like, huh, or, oh, no. I mean, I always hear it every, every time. Let me just tell you something about the Ninth Circuit. If God in the Old Testament can speak through a donkey, 
Anyway, so, um, yeah, he still can use the Ninth Circuit. But this was one of those times that it didn't turn out the right way. The Ninth Circuit says, yep, the governor can keep all those churches shut down. You know, Silicon Valley can keep all those ch churches shut down, those five churches. And so we then filed an emergency appeal to the United States Supreme Court. So just so you know, um, it's really difficult to have a, court, a case go to the Supreme Court, period. Less than 1% chance they'll even hear a case, much less decide in your favor. To have an emergency injunction heard and then granted by the Supreme Court. Okay, it's, so you've heard of people you know, uh, in, in football, right, throwing a, a, a Hail Jesus pass, okay? I'm evangelical, I can't help it, okay, I gotta change, okay? Hail Jesus pass, okay? So, and that, that's sort of like giving a case heard before the Supreme Court, right? And getting it touched down. Having an emergency injunction heard and decide in your favor is like throwing a hell Jesus pass out of the stadium, across town, to another stadium, where the guy catches it and scores a touchdown. I mean, it just doesn't happen, with the exception of a few death penalty cases, and even those are very, very rare. Just, it just doesn't happen. And Kagan, we didn't have, you know, Justice Thomas over the Ninth Circuit. No, it's Kagan. She's over the Ninth Circuit. She's not a, a friendly judge, generally, very generally. Um, and she decides not to do thumbs down. She says, I'll let the whole Supreme Court hear this. She gives the whole Supreme Court. They sit at the conference table. In three days, they grant our emergency injunction, telling Governor Gavin Newsom, no, open those churches now. And that's what happened. It's so easy to be discouraged by the circumstances, and yet, Nothing takes our God by surprise. And, um, and so, it's, yet it's so easy uh, to, you know, to be discouraged. And God doesn't want us to be discouraged. Um, he knows what he's doing. Even when we have the Herods and, and, and the like that we're having to deal with. Um, in, verse, uh, in verse 8, it says, you know, And while he was serving as priest, as Zechariah, um, wait a second. I mean, wait a second. Yeah, here we go. Um, Okay, let me get back here. So, uh, now while he was serving as priest before, his, before God, um, when his, his division was on duty, uh, according to the, the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the house, uh, outside, uh, I see, outside at the hour of incense. And when they appeared to him, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Um, and Zechariah uh, was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. Now, I get that. How would you feel if you're Zechariah? Suddenly, you're going through the motions, it's, you know, and then suddenly an angel of the Lord appears before you. What did I say? Hey, Gabe, how's it going? What's going on upstairs? No, you wouldn't do that at all, right? I would get on my, my face to the ground, my arms stretched forward, and saying, oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, <laughs> like, you know, this is pretty serious. So I get that. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. 
First, it's, that's unusual because usually they name kids after their dad. Zechariah, right? And, and so that's pretty, pretty normal, right? Um, you think, okay, this is some good news um, moving forward. Um, and what we see here is that God not only remembers, but God is sovereign. Even though everything seemed to be the opposite direction, God still is God. And if God wants her to have a baby named John, she's going to have a baby named John. That's how it works. That's God. And, um, and he's, he's sovereign. And we can know that no matter what we're going through, that we can put our hope and our trust um, in the Lord, uh, even those things seem to be going in the, in the wrong direction. Um, God often takes those circumstances when we see the, the least amount of hope and shines the brightest in those circumstances. How many of you have had a time in your life when it just seemed like it was just the end, or it was just terrible, you had nothing, and then you prayed and you saw God deliver you? Raise your hand. Wow, this is called living, this is a living God, isn't it? Right? Because we, our God is, is living, right? And we can put our trust in Him. I know in my life, I'll share with, a, you, I'll share with you briefly. Uh, I was 16 years old. I was a Christian. I'd given my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Um, but also, I was pretty committed in my faith. Uh, I read my Bible every day, a chapter, a little bit too religiously, I might add. Uh, sometimes it's so quick and it's so easy just to get in rituals, isn't it? Like, oh, I've got to read my chapter. It's a message you may heard. But, um, but I read my Bible every day. Um, I listened to Christian albums, Imperials, Amy Grant, Larry Norman. I was a little on the edge, okay? Some of you are going, the younger people are going, who are these people, right? Um, so, taught second grade Sunday school at a Bible church, fell, uh, Dr. Gene Getz's Fellowship Bible Church in Dallas. I mean, I was a good, I mean, just boom, 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 boom. And yet, oftentimes we think we're doing everything right, and God sees inside us and says, I'm going to have to break this bowl, because I need to do some reshaping here. And that's what happened to me. Uh, I was driving to school in a little Opal GT, and you know, you know Opal GT is? It's, it's just like a Corvette, only smaller and a lot cheaper, okay? So... It's a little tiny car with a little, goes down. I'm driving in, in there, Joe Cool, in my leather jacket, Opal GT, um, 16, and a motorcycle's passing cars as I'm going up the hill, and he's passing cars, and he hits me head on. And the motorcycle goes right through my windshield. And, um, and he lived, by the way. Uh, he had a helmet on. That was good. But uh, it smashed through my, my skull. Um, so it was not a concussion. It was a major brain damage is what I had. Now, not a lot of, not a lot of people could say they had major brain damage. Major, we actually had a lady the first service um, who shared with me about her story, which is really powerful. But so this is all smashed. Sorry, it keeps rubbing there. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, um, so it smashed through, and the jaw was disconnected. This, the cheekbones all smashed in, part of the skull is smashed in, um, and they had to reconstruct all this. I mean, this, you're looking at a hip bone grafting the cheekbone. I really mess up the song, don't I? Here, you get to, <laughs> put on, 
All right. So, I love that line. So, and then they have the, uh, the silicon here and here and silicon plate, but they had to cut a large hole just for the brain to swell. The whole left frontal lobe, this whole third of my brain was hemorrhaging. Billions of neurons disconnecting. And, and as far as the world was concerned, I was but in the trash, only to be pity for what could have been. And yet Californians, our God is a great recycler. And he loves to take that which the world throws away and do something new. That's what his track record is. You look at scripture. He loves taking the most incompetent, unqualified. And, and so that's what he did with me. Did incredible healing, miraculous healing. Using that left frontal lobe of logic, reasoning, and analytical thinking, and speech communication, that's what was hit. Um, I put myself through at Texas A&M, got a 3.86 in my major, which was finance, logic, reasoning, analytical thinking. And then I worked a couple of years, and then I put myself through at one of the top 20 law schools, University of Texas, top half of my class. That was my goal. And, um, and it's just incredible what God does. And, uh, yeah, so. And, and by the way, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes I tell this story, and people say, oh, that's the Lord's special one that the Lord has. I say, no, 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 stop the verily, verilies, okay? Um, Talk to my wife. She'll tell you after 20 years of marriage, my halo is still really crooked, okay? I mean, in fact, guys, if you have a problem with humility, it'll be taken care of when you get married, probably. So <laughs> you'll discover how selfish you are, you know? But uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, but the neat thing is that God heals us and restores us where he wants us for his glory and for his pleasure. When we give our lives to Christ, there's a lot of freedom that comes with that. Oftentimes, we want to grab on and have our identity be on who, what we have, our skills, our abilities, or this or that. And you know what? That's not what our identity is. Our identity has been who we are in Christ. When I had nothing else to cling to, I couldn't even bathe myself. I mean, it was for months. I was on 24-hour uh, care for over five months. And the only thing, my, my, my brain wasn't working right. My face was smashed in. I was, you know... Thought I was skinny now. I was like 116 pounds. Okay, it's like I ate a lot of biscuits and gravy. I'm telling you. After that, but uh, but what I learned is that the only thing I had to cling to was was who I was in Christ. That was the only thing I had left. And what God taught me, it's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. And there's a real freedom when it, when we no longer are into about thinking about who we are and how we others think of us and stuff. It's so easy to fall into that. That's the flesh. We need to have our eyes on Christ and understand who we are as our children of God, that God loves us, God forgives us, and he's going to work through us, and everything else really doesn't matter. And there's a real freedom. So I'm just sharing that. I didn't share that in the first service, but I'm sharing it now. So, um, so God is sovereign, and he will get it, and his will will come to pass irrespective of what's going on. And often things that we see as hindrances are actually preparation. If I hadn't gone through what I went through, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. I would be so, I just wouldn't be able to be, I would just be a, a cocky, proud lawyer probably. Because anyway, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> That's, I'll leave it at that. So um, are there any lawyers here this morning? No, I, I don't smell any. Okay. 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 Another joke. All right. Now, getting back here to the word. Uh, in America, we do have a lot of challenges with regards to our freedoms, and it's easy to be discouraged. 
Um, we've, uh, we have professors from universities being fired. Eric Thompson teaches over here at Marina Valley Community College. Um, he was fired because uh, in sociology he taught both arguments from the Supreme Court about how marriage should be defined. Because he argues, did both and promoted critical thinking, the diversity committee, that's what they're called, said there's only one viewpoint you can teach. The diversity committee, it's like George Orwell's, right? They have flipping the name of what it really means is the opposite. So they fire him. They think, where is he going to go? Right? Well we, rep well, we stepped in and we represented him. Without charge, we won an arbitration. Marina Valley then saw that they were wrong. No. They appealed to Superior Court. So we win there. We argue that and we win. They still don't repent. Then they appeal it to the appellate court. Don't worry, they're using your tax dollars. And then, looks like we have a tentative uh, positive judgment ruling in, in, our, in our favor of our client already. This may go to the Supreme Court. It's okay, we'll, we'll, we'll take them on. But um, these are the kinds of things we see happening, a purging uh, taking place. Um, and also in our schools, we have two teachers up in Oregon. As you get our press releases, our updates. In fact, if, if you haven't filled this out, please feel free to do so. It would mean a lot to me personally keep you updated, okay? We have lots and lots of cases. You know, if you're a prayer warrior, by the way, put prayer warrior at the bottom. Um, you say, what's a prayer warrior? You know it if you are one, okay? I'm just saying. Um, otherwise, don't worry about it. But anyway, these two teachers, they believe in conscience, that teachers' conscience, religious conviction, should be protected. They shouldn't have to use pronouns Okay, this is, you guys are California, you know what I'm talking about, right? This is Tyler, Texas, I'd have to give more description probably and understand it. Pronouns? You know. But no. So they said we shouldn't have to use pronouns that violate our faith. And they put this on their own private website with our, not even saying where they're, te where they're teaching at, as, as proposals, positive policies, and working with parents with kids with different, these issues and, and things. That's pretty, that's not that bad. Working with parents, it's a good thing, right? I think the people in Virginia had a good thing to say about that recently, how important it is to work with parents. Um, so, but someone found out, reported them to the administration, they were put on leave, and then they were fired. We filed a lawsuit on their behalf, they now have their jobs back, and we're continuing with the litigation for past lost wages, et cetera. But uh, this is a classic of purging of people of faith in so many different ways we see in our society. There's so much hostility, uh, antagonism, uh, vitriol. You know, when I was a kid growing up, there were two kinds of people. Those who went to church and those who were knowing they should be going to church. You know what I'm saying? They say, yeah, Pastor Bud, I'm sorry. I just had a little bit too much brisky last night. And I just you know, couldn't get quite up to go to church this morning. Okay. Um, now it's different. We have followers of Jesus, and we have a whole segment of our society that hates followers of Jesus. It's in historic proportions. And yet, with this, this spiritual intensity, we see God pouring out His Spirit. More people are coming to Christ in the world than at any time in world history, at a, at a rate faster than any time in world history. Um, yeah, you... You could, um, I went to speak in, I was in, in, um, in Honduras, 
And I was expecting everyone there to be sort of ritualistic, you know, c you know Catholics. That was sort of their, their thing. And so, you know, half of Honduras are, are evangelical Christians on fire for Jesus. And then you, and it, you just go all the way down, Central South America, go over to Africa. God's pouring out his spirit. You know what there's a shortage of? Bible schools and trained disciplers, right? That's the shortage. People are coming to Jesus all over. Um, and then you go into the Middle East, Iran. God is working dramatically. I used to think those stories were like, you know, some nonprofit trying to, you know, make up some things. I know, I'm just a cynic. That's part of my profession, you know. Sometimes I pray with one eye open. I confess, okay. Um, but, no, but firsthand stories of how God is moving in dramatic ways, miraculous ways. People seeing visions and come, giving their lives to Christ, you know, and, uh, and God moving. And then in India, um, it's, it's incredible. I was on an airplane flight, and I sat next to, and it, was, it was, wasn't like Southwest where you sort of choose where you're sitting. It was where they, this is where you're sitting. So I'm sitting there, and there are two other people from India. They didn't know each other. Just by God's providence, they were both sat there next to each other. I start talking to them. And by the way, you know those people on an airplane that just keep talking and talking and right here. Sorry. So, and I'm loud too. Can you tell I'm loud? Okay. Um, so, I start talking to them. I say, so uh, what's your, your background, I guess? Are you, are you Hindu? Or is he, they say, well, yeah, I'm Hindu. I said, oh, well, are there many Christians in India? And she goes, the girl says, says, oh, yeah. She says, yeah, just Christianity is spreading like crazy in India. She says, in fact, my two best friends just got baptized. And she looked at me, she says, so what does it mean to be a Christian? And, of course, I had, I had, too, much time, I had too much work preparing for my sermon. I said, I really can't help you. I've got to, no, I'm just teasing. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> I heard some gasping there go, oh, that was good, that was good. Good answer. So uh, I got to share Jesus. Now, they didn't. Pray to receive Christ. I followed the whole, you know, spirit on that. You know, I, I, as I've gotten older, I've learned not to cram the sales pitch. You know, close the deal. It's you, you got to give the Holy Spirit the room, and at times that's not the case. But um, but it's so encouraging. These people, eyewitnesses, saying, "Oh yeah, just going like crazy." Uh, in China, there's now understood to be more followers of Jesus in China than there are in the United States. Now, mind you, they have about four times the population. But still, it's over 100 million followers of Jesus, committed followers of Jesus. And they're risking their lives on it. God is moving. And at the same time, we have persecution and the killing of Christians at record levels throughout this world. The civilized society we live in, there's more Christians being killed and martyred for Jesus in the last two decades than at any time by far in world history. God is moving in a dramatic way. And, uh, and that's why we need to, to be watchful and alert and understand the times that we're in. Is now, now it's time not to be complacent. Now's the time to live for Jesus. Okay. And um, let's see. And I'm, I'm fasting today, so I can preach for as long as I need to. I was just like, <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. I do intermittent fasting, which means I'm going to be really hungry at noon. So... So just so you know, I've, I've got your, 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 your stomach in, in line here, okay? Um, so we see lots of challenges today, but yet we see lots of God's grace. A home, big homeschooling case, uh, homeschooling was declared illegal and, uh, by three appellate court judges in, t in California. We, 
uh, asked them to rehear the case. These are three men, okay, with black robes sitting up high, and you're asking them to admit that they might have been wrong, okay? Remember Fonzie on Happy Days? He couldn't say wrong, okay? Cause, well, these are, that's usually the case. Well, they agreed to rehear the case. And then they go and dice and slice us so bad that our chief counsel, when I call him and say, how do we do? He goes, we, we clearly lost. We've got to work on the appeal of the state Supreme Court. People called me and said, do we have any chance? I said, we have no chance. We've lost unless God intervenes. All I can say is just pray. Otherwise, we've lost. That's what I told people. You know what happened? People prayed. And those three judges, those three men with black robes, ruled three to zero, reversing their opinion. I've never seen that. That's a God thing. We've helped a lot of churches that were shut down in uh, cases, but like also like zoning, where they're not allowed to move into a building. In San Francisco, judge says, no, you can't move in this building for seven reasons. One of them was that you, you, churches cause, bring economic blight to communities and increase crime. I thought, really? What did they teach you in your Sunday school? I'm like, really? You know, that's the world we live in. So we appeal it to the Ninth Circuit. And guess what? This time the donkey spoke. And, um, and they've reversed on all seven counts and set the great case law that we've used for years now. Um, so we see a lot, of, oftentimes, God is able to move. But we need to pray, and we need to pray and, and listen and be open for an answer. Sometimes, as Christians, we'll pray... But we don't pray with the confidence knowing that God has heard, and instead we just keep chewing on it. And God says, no. That's why I like with Thanksgiving, you know, right? That, you know, we, we be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Right? Let your request be known to God. The peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's so absolute. And that's because we have confidence that God hears us and that God heard, also heard Zechariah's prayer as well. Um, verse 14, let's see. So God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And we, we can trust in, in that. Um, uh, it says, And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be a great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, but will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Notice, it's not John was great. This was the Holy Spirit moving through John, right, from day one. Isn't that awesome? That we don't have to put our trust in our own abilities, but on the, in the Lord. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before them in the spirit and power of Elijah. Uh, and Elijah was a prophet who had earlier been taken up, right? Uh, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the, for the Lord a people prepared. Prepared for what, by the way? Prepared for the coming Messiah, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him we can put our hope and our trust uh, no, matter, no matter what, as we're, seeing, as we're facing. So God is sovereign, and God uh, definitely, definitely uh, heals. Uh, so God remembers, God is sovereign, and God definitely heals. And, uh, and it's so easy for us as believers to at times uh, forget that, the power of God, the work of God, and, and to know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, sometimes we think, in the back of our minds, I think, well, we're in a different era here. You see, we have all this high technology. 
you know, and all this technology stuff, as if God doesn't know technology. God knows all this stuff. He created it. He created it down to the micro. Um, he is God. And the other thing we forget is that the rapture still hasn't happened. Because sometimes we act as though the rapture's happened, don't we? You know, Bible, bullets, and bread, and we're going to bunker down. You know, because, no, I don't see the Bible, bullets, and bread bunker down doctrine in the scriptures. I see it go ye therefore, right? Um, making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the rapture hasn't happened. The Holy Spirit is with us, just as with John. God is moving, and God wants us to be a salt and light to this world. Uh, never hesitate. I talked to a group of pastors once. I said, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? And you know what they said? One of them said, uh, put in jail. Said, no, that's not the worst. Worst thing that can happen, you could all be killed and executed for the name of Jesus. I said, that's it. That's the worst. I said, no, we all have to die, unless the rapture happens. We all have to die, right? I mean, how do you want to die? Do you want to die in a hospital with an IV hooked up? For 60 days? Or, no, yeah, no, right. I don't want that either. I'd rather go for Jesus, right? That's like awesome. Now, that's what you're saying. The guy's sick. He needs counseling, okay. But the point is, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. And yet, we oftentimes live in fear because we forget who God is and we forget how awesome it is uh, in the spiritual d domain of what God has for us. You know, to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's not a consolation prize. It's gain. And our God is a great God. Oftentimes we also limit the, what the Lord can do in our lives. And that is um, forgetting that, um, that it's not about us. It is all about Him. It's all about Him. And as believers, and in fact, there's two questions to ask yourself if you're wondering if there's a ministry that God has for you in the times that we're in. I think one is... Do you know Jesus? Not have you gone to confession and confirmation and tithes and... No, no. Do you know Jesus? And number two, is your heart beating? And if the answer to those two questions is yes, then God has a ministry and a purpose and a work for you, for his glory and for his pleasure. Um, why do we know? Because he's a, he's a love, loving, compassionate God. Why would he keep you down here if it wasn't for his glory and for his pleasure? He's a gracious God. He knows about tax time. He knows what the certain family members you're worried about. He knows about all this stuff, you know? And he knows about the fire insurance. Oh, it's too close to home, sorry. Um, anyway, but he knows all about that stuff. He'd take you home to be eternity with him. But he's given us a window of time to send ripples for his glory and pleasure for eternity here on earth. Some of you may be saying to yourselves, well, that's nice, but... I don't answer yes to that first question. That's a real problem if you can't answer yes to that first question. Because that first question um, is, do you know Jesus, is real important. Paul, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, this is the last part of his last letter. He's about to die, okay? Verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the, the race. I've kept the faith. In verse 8, he says, finally. I mean, he means finally, okay? He's about to die. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, 
which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. Whoa, wait a minute. You, you're going to get, the righteous judge is going to give you, Paul, a crown of righteousness? Excuse me, your name used to be Saul, wasn't it? Or translated in modern day language, Osama bin Laden? You were the guy that persecuted the church. You held the robes while Stephen was being stoned to death. And then you led the charge. In fact, you were going to Damascus to put men and women. You didn't even discriminate. You wanted them all behind bars. You were out to, to persecute the, the church. There's a reason people didn't invite you to Wednesday night Bible studies. How can you get the crown of righteousness? And you know how? It's because it wasn't about what Paul or Saul brought to the table. It's what Jesus Christ brought to the cross. Full and complete payment for Paul's sins, egregious sins. And what God can do, what did for Paul, he can do for you. Now, some people are saying to themselves, that doesn't really apply to me. It's really? Well, here's the rest of the verse. He says, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I like how it says loved his appearing. That's a heart thing, right? Whether we really know him or not. So, Let's just say real quickly here, let's just say, because I'm getting hungry. Okay, no. Um, but let's just say that we know that Jesus is coming tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. Now, no one knows the day and the hour. I get that, okay? So, but let's say he's coming tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. You know that Jesus is about to come. That'd be pretty awesome, huh? It's like, what would you be thinking and feeling? Like, awesome! God's going to take me home. This is going to be great. Oh, i got to call out Myrtle. She doesn't know the Lord. You know, boom, 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 right? Maybe even some last-minute street preaching, Okay. Um, but you'd be so excited, like a thousand times your excitement of Disneyland, all right? Like, so happy. Or would it be something else, like, oh, shoot, no, no, 1.30? Okay, at 2.30, I've got a big real estate deal. I mean, I've been... Not a good sign. Or even maybe more likely, you may say to yourself... Oh, shoot, I don't think he's going to take me because no one knows this, but I've got this dark closet and I've got some real shame and disgrace in my dark closet. By the way, just for the record, everyone has a dark closet, all right? We're all sinners. But you say, oh, no, no, mine, though, is particularly bad. And it's so bad that how could God forgive me for this? Because I can't even forgive myself. And you don't receive his forgiveness. You know, it's like, it's the same as doing it. It's the same as walking up to Jesus on the cross. And there he is on the cross, dying, pouring out his blood on the cross. And we say to him, while he's dying and gasping with that crown of thorns, we say to him, nice try, Jesus. But you see, for me, that's just not good enough. And his response to that lie, I think, was, when he said, it is finished. Amen. And all we have to do in humility is to believe it and receive his payment for our sins on the cross. And he will separate that sin, all of it, as far as the east is from the west. It'll be washed from us permanently in the past, in the present, in the future. And we'll become children of the living God. And his Holy Spirit will, will dwell in us. And he will become our Lord will surrender our lives to him and he will be a faithful Lord. And, and that can happen right now. And there may be someone here, in the first service, we, I think we had three hands go up. 
There could be someone right here this morning that you felt convicted by the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't. But you know it if you were convicted by the Holy Spirit to receive that forgiveness. That's how God works. And if you have, we're going to give you a chance right now to receive that forgiveness and enter into the confidence of a relationship with the Lord God Almighty through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that you're on the throne. Thank you that you're working in our lives, Lord God. And thank you that we can put our hope and our trust in you no matter how dark the circumstances are, Lord God. You have not given up. You are still on your throne. The rapture hasn't happened. And you're still doing awesome, incredible things in a spiritual war that's taking place. And Lord God, thank you that you've given us this day and the hour to participate in this chapter of this conflict and, and this opportunity to, to please you for your glory. Father, we also pray for people here who may feel, feel convicted by the Holy Spirit that they have never received your full forgiveness. Father, we pray right now, Lord Father, for your Holy Spirit to touch them and to, to guide them and, and just to pray this prayer right now. Uh, and if you're one of those people, just pray that prayer with me with every head bowed. Say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. You know my past. You know all of it. And right now in faith, I receive your payment for my sins through Jesus Christ, your son dying on the cross for my sins. I thank you that you have now covered my sins with his crucifixion and resurrection on the cross, from the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins. And I want to give you my life now. From now on, God, I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to tell you, Satan is really ticked off because he just lost his hand of dominion in your life. Do you know what he's hoping? He's hoping that you just became a child of living God. He's hoping you forget what just happened. And I, we don't want to let that happen. I'm not going to ask for people to come forward, but if he just died on the cross for you. just forgave your sins. I'm going to ask one thing for you this, this morning is if you just pray that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so we can clap and welcome you into God's family. Did anyone this morning pray that prayer? Raise your hand right now so we can clap and welcome God's family. Praise God. Anyone else? Anyone else? Praise God. Anyone else? Awesome. Lord, we thank you that you're on the throne. Thank you for what you're doing uh, here in this town. And uh, we uh, give you the praise and glory, Lord God, because it all goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.